All right. Well, you know, there may be a lot of fear going on out there, but I don't see much around here right now. I'm just saying. Go ahead and find your seat as we get started. We're going to continue in our series, and it's called Hallelujah Anyway. And the idea is this, that no matter how appropriate is this, no matter what is going on in the world, no matter what's happening in our own current situation, no matter where we find ourselves in our trajectory of life, that we have an opportunity to shout hallelujah in the middle of it. And so today we're going to be talking about, and what a coincidence. So I planned this back in December, November, December, when we, when we rolled this out, what we were going to do with the book of Philippians. Everything's kind of been said already, but who knew that on the very week that we've got some super virus floating around out there, that we're going to actually be talking about Philippians chapter 4, which is the classic passage of be anxious for nothing. So I think God's foresight and timing in this is kind of at play here. So I'm leaning into this as though God meant this to happen, which means I have a lot more confidence than normal. So just get ready, okay? Anything could happen, right? I let me tell you what I love hearing. I love hearing our elders praying. I love hearing our staff praying because it, it ignites my heart to know that the team that, that we have here, God has put together an A team. I'm just saying we have people and men that pray and women that pray and believe and stand. And it's because they know the word. They love the word of God. Amen. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to hit the ground running. A couple of things I'm going to do right now. I'm going to blend a couple of things because on, uh, on Wednesday night, I want you to do something. On Wednesday night, I taught a message on In Christ I Am fearless. We're doing an In Christ I Am blank series. Then each week, me or Jeffrey, we fill in the blank. So I filled in the blank with fearless. And so we talked about fear. So I'm going to, I'm going to leverage some of that, and it'll be mixed in with what we're going to do today. So as we get started, I want to pray one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, our hearts that we may know truth that literally sets us free. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Well, we've been on this series for a while. We all know that the word hallelujah means praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, somebody shouts hallelujah. They're, they're saying praise God. Understanding he's the king of kings and lord of lords. The name that is above all names by which every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is what? Lord. We're praising the Lord when we shout hallelujah. It's a Hebrew word. Now, we've been in the book of Philippians. We're now turning the corner into Philippians chapter 4. Here's a couple of interesting points that you need to know about the book of Philippians. And if you're with us and haven't been on this ride, let me just help you with that. First of all, it was written by the Apostle Paul. The word apostle literally means missionary. That's what it means. It doesn't mean authority. It means missionary, someone who is a sent one by definition. Paul was sent on his third missionary journey. The book of Acts records four missionary journeys on his third journey. He was going to go up into Bithynia instead. The Holy Spirit prevented him. And so he waited. And while he was waiting, he had a dream that's called the Macedonian call. And in the context of that call, there was a man on the shore of Europe saying, come over here and help us. Macedonia was the southern end of Europe at that time. And so he goes over there with his team, and they establish a church, an outpost, so to speak. And it's the church at Philippi. So that brings us up to speed. Now, much later, things happen, events happen. Paul finds himself sitting in a Roman prison not knowing what is going to happen. In fact, he could have very well been killed that day. So everything he wrote from the prison, or are called the prison epistles or the prison letters, 
I put a lot of weight on those because in a very real sense, they are his memoirs. In the sense of, this may be the last thing I write. This may be the last thing I say. Do you think if you knew that today could be your last day, that you would choose your words carefully? Well, sure enough, in the prison epistles, it, we find the very same thing. Paul being careful with his words. So as he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, we get these words starting here. Listen to this. Now, I'm not going to start in the verse yet because I want to set this up. So this is what we did on Wednesday night, and it's going to lead us into verse 1. Wednesday night, and here's what we talked about, this idea that there are truths that free us, but there are lies that bind us. Truth frees, lies bind. That's a truism if there ever was one. The Scripture is very clear about that. In fact, the Scripture calls the devil in John chapter 8 a murderer from the beginning, a liar and the father of it, the father of lies. So we know the source of lies. But we also know, even emotionally, behaviorally, that we as people, when we internalize a lie as truth, when we accept something and believe it, even if it's a lie, we act out as though it's true. We live out as though it's true. And that's why we need to know the difference between a truth and what is true and between a lie and what is false? Can I get an amen? amen? So setting that ground, I want to read a couple of things to you. We did this. These are some lies that bind. See if you identify with any of these. Saying things like this. This is going to end badly. What is that? It's a lie that binds. It means something that hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to make it. You ever felt that way? Come on. Am I the only human in the room? The reason I could write these is because I've had them all. So they, I wrote these. So just so you know, these are things I've dealt with. God's not going to come through for me. Am I the only human that's ever felt that? This is not going to end well. I don't think he's going to come through this time. Sometimes we just forget our history in God, and we go primal again, and all of a sudden we think, this, you know, chicken little, the sky's falling. This isn't going to... He brought me this far, but he's not going to take me any further. Now listen to this. I'm going to fail. You ever said that? You ever thought that? I'm going to die an early death. The reason I bring that one up is because being in ministry for 37 plus years, I've had multiple people come to me with this fear, very deep, very visceral, very deep in their spirit, in their heart, in their life, in their mindset. They really believe they were going to die an early death. Or maybe they felt one of their children was going to die an early death, but just this, this death of the end of all things. I, can I can't trust you because I've been hurt before. Once bitten, twice shy is not just a bad 90s hairband song. It's a saying, it's a, it's a colloquialism, a cliche. Once bitten, twice as shy. In other words, when we get hurt, we tend to not trust. When we get hurt, we tend to back away. We tend to be fearful and anxious of going forward. So I can't trust you because I've been hurt before. Here's another one. If I step out in faith, it's not going to work. How many have been there? Oh, my gosh. I think I believe. <laughs> you hear the problem in that? I sort of believe. Well, we don't sort of or think we believe, right? We either believe and we're a believing believer or we're not, right? There's not a lot of gray area there. Here's another one. God loves them, but he doesn't love me. Why is it working out for them, but I'm over here and the wheels are falling off of my life? Why do they get the breaks? Why do they get the promotion? Why do, they get, why do things seem to go well for them? Why are they happy all the time? 
when I'm not. How can they laugh and smile at a time like this? My God, there's no toilet paper left. How can they laugh? <laughs> Y'all knew I had to sneak that in there somewhere. And if you've been hoarding, no, I'm not even going to go there. Please stop for, for all of our sakes. <laughs> but haven't we felt this way? God loves them, but he doesn't love me. Or he loves them more than he loves me. Listen, you're either human or you're not, right? I am. I may not make it to heaven. I think I'm going to. I mean, I did pray that prayer at a church. I did get dunked in the hot tub one time. I, I, I did go to Sunday school. I have a perfect attendance pin from Sunday school when I was a kid. So I, I think I'm going to go to heaven. But, you know, I love all of you. And I know several of you in 3D. I mean, I know your life. I know the history, the backstory. I know your journey. And there are many of you that if I was to sit down and we do life together for four years like we've been doing, but if I was to get honest and you were to get honest with me and I would say, do you know in your knower, not here, do you know here that you're going to be with him in glory? Amen. And there are many in this room right now that would say, I want to know that. I would like to believe that, but I don't. Or I struggle with that. I don't know why but I've never struggled with that. I don't know why. I think because when I went all in at 18, 19 years of age, I, I was serious. I meant it. I, there's a line in the sand. I'm going over it. I'm jumping off the cliff. There's no, there's, I'm burning the ships. There's no going back. And I'm thankful for that. And maybe that's a gift of faith that I have. But a lot of people suffer from this because they wonder, am I in? Am I out? Am I going to make it? Am I not? You know, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And my heart hurts for you because here's the thing. When you know the word, and you know what the word says about you, and you know who he says you are, and your identity in Christ is secure, you can say, I know I'm in. I know I'm going to be with him. Which makes life a win-win deal. Which means if you live to a ripe old age, it's a win. You got to live this life. If something happens and you don't live to arrive, you still win because you get to be in his presence and you beat us all to the punch. So it really is. Now, don't make light of this. This is serious to me. That it is a win-win prospect when you're a child of God. Paul said to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. He's like, I have no worries. If I die now, yay me. I get to be with Jesus. But for your sakes, he says this. But for your sakes, I'm going to hang out here a little bit longer. i got work to do. But he's like, man, this is a win-win deal. But there are people who think they may not make it. Here's the definition of fear. An unpleasant, this is a little understated, Merriam-Webster. An unpleasant, an unpleasant, often strong emotion, well, duh, caused by the anticipation or awareness of danger. Oh, we have felt that feeling. Have we not? Have we not? Here's some synonyms in the noun version of it. Alarm, anxiety, dread. Oh, oh. Is that not the worst thing to just live with dread? When's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next thing going to go bad? Or, or you get this sense. You don't have to raise your hand, but it takes one to know one. Things are going really good, and you're having a hard time enjoying the good moment because you're waiting for the bad moment to happen. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's hard to enjoy your present moment, be in the moment, because bad things have happened before. In fact, every time you got excited about anything, it just got taken away from you, or they left, or you got abandoned, or the job got taken away, or the economy tanked, and all of a sudden, when things were great, it had to get bad again. So we get sucked into a Pavlov's response, thinking that when things get good, it's about to get bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is real, and most of us live somewhere in that tension. That's this feeling of dread, fright, horror, panic. That's what we're seeing in our world today, panic, panic. Scare, terror, in the verb form, to fret, fuss, stew. It means trouble or to trouble. It means worry. So verse 1. Now, Philippians. Turn in the corner. I want to lay that groundwork real quick. Listen to this. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren. This is Paul writing. My joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. You know what he's saying? He's saying dig your heels in. Get stubborn. Dig your heels in because stuff's coming. Things are happening. We live in a culture right now where it would be so easy to just get caught up in the panic. Or to, or to spend your hours watching the news or worse yet, reading your social media feed. Because we know all that news is accurate, right? I'm not going to name names, but there are people in this church that I know love and, and, and are, you are my friends and family but I've seen you repost things about this virus thing that are not credible. They're not true. You've got to check your facts. And so we, as followers of Jesus, are actually proliferating some things that aren't true. Some of you are wondering, is it me? Come talk to me afterwards. I'll let you know. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, stand fast in the Lord. That's what we say. Stand fast. Having done all to stand, what do we do? Stand, Ephesians 6 tells us. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, picking up the shield of faith wherewith we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This is like armor up, folks. And then picking up the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The Word works, family, but what? We have to learn to work the Word. It is your tool. It is your weapon of choice. It's a sword. The sword of the Spirit. He says this, I implore Eudea and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Who are these people whose names we cannot pronounce? There are two women in the church that were at odds. And he's saying, look, I implore you, get this sorted out. And we don't know much about them, but we know there was a problem in the church. Paul doesn't spend much time on it. He says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also. He's taking care of business. This is housekeeping. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Moving on. Now, verse 4. This is a familiar passage for many. Paul says this. And by the way, this is an imperative, which means it's a command. In other words, it's not optional. Paul is saying, I want you to do this. In fact, I command you. It's an imperative of command. It's very strong. He says, do this. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. Rejoice in the Lord when the media hasn't lost its mind. No, he says rejoice in the Lord what? Always. No matter what is going on, whether it's good or bad, we have a choice to rejoice. I have a wall hanging in 
my bathroom. And I looked at it this morning. It says, today I choose joy. It's a choice to rejoice. We choose it and we step into it and we walk by faith and not by sight, not by feeling, not by emotions. In other words, we are not moved by what we feel. We are moved by what we believe to be is true, what we know to be is true. And what I know is this, that no matter what happens, the pendulum always swings, family. There's always the ebb and flow of life. The things that we're experiencing right now, it's going to loosen and lighten. And then there'll be another thing down the road in another two years probably, or three or four at least. We, we, there's a pattern there, but things will happen. Things are going to come up. And we can either live above the fray or we can cower below it and live under our circumstances when God has called you as a follower of Jesus to live over the circumstances, above the circumstances, in Christ, in Him, in heavenly places. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul, for emphasis, says again, I will say it. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm serious about this. You choose to rejoice. It's your choice to rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. Why? Because no matter what the times are like, when people see peace on your life, they will know something is different. You need to understand something. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Now, I was in a, in a black church, and they said they called him a bad Negro. I'm just saying. <laughs> not a racial thing. I'm just saying, Pastor Rich, that's how he called it. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. He said, when... When they were before the idol, Nebuchadnezzar set up this massive idol. And he declared that the nation would fall before that idol when they blew the trumpet. Here's what happened. The whole nation went down. Guess what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? Uh Uh-uh. They did nothing. They were already standing. See, we think in terms of, oh, I got to do something. I got to make something happen. I, I got to push the boulder up the hill. It's, if it's to be, it's up to me. No, no, they didn't do anything but stand where they were. They just didn't move. The whole culture shifted, and they stood their ground. They just held their ground. See, we have this idea that we got to, the reason why a lot of times we don't do anything or for fear we just blend in is because we're afraid we've got to do something. But here's what we do. We step up to the plate full of Jesus, full of life, full of hope, full of grace, full of mercy, full of understanding of who we are in Christ and carrying the exousia, the authority that's been conferred upon our lives. And what do we do? We stand. When the whole world dips, we just stand. When the whole culture falls, we just stand. You just keep doing what you were doing and you will stand out. And that's exactly what happened. So he's saying, listen, just let your gentleness, just let the peace of Christ shine. You're calm when the world is losing its mind and off the rails. He says this, the Lord is near. That's why we can be at peace. Now listen to this. He gives us actually, I'm not into lists and stuff, but we kind of got one here. It's sort of a prescription here, so check this out. He says, be anxious for nothing. Now here's the deal. If you're a warrior by nature, oh, my grandmother, oh, may God, may her soul rest in peace. My grandmother was a warrior. And you know what? She was downright proud of it. You know why? Because she told everybody she was a warrior. She would let you know. I worry about everything. I'm a worry wart. I, I worry about everything. And I mean, it was just like, yeah, please stop. 
And, and I was around her all the time. She taught me the art of redirection because when she would be on a worry rant, I learned how to turn her so we'd talk about something life-giving and positive. I was trained in how to do that. If you've ever felt manipulated in a conversation with me when you were being negative, you are being manipulated. I'm telling you. It's called benevolent manipulation. I'm doing it for your own good. I'm redirecting your, your perspective to something life-giving and positive because God is good Amen. all the time and all the time. And we're to be anxious for what? Nothing. Nothing. By the way, another command. Paul is not saying it's optional. That if, if your wheels fall off and you're having a bad day, then it's okay to be anxious. Go knock yourself out. Have some fun with it. Oh, man, that spirit is so on our culture right now. And those of you who suffer from that know exactly what I'm saying. It is a life stealer. It's like sticking a siphon in your heart and sucking the life out of you. And the tragedy of it is, it impacts those in your orbit as well. And so I learned with my grandmother to constantly redirect. She taught me some great skills, and I appreciate it. So listen to this. Be anxious for nothing. Now he turns the corner with the, with the but. Remember? But means he's negating and now moving forward. He says this. In everything. Notice that. In everything. You got some stuff you're up against? You feeling some fear? Feeling some anxiety? Worried about getting toilet paper? Well, you can go out to Jason Banks' house. He's got a field full of calf's ear stuff. They used to use that back in the old day. I'm just saying. We run out. We know where to go. So listen to this. Some of you won't get what I just said there. That's okay. Listen to this. In everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer, that's literally what we do. We pray, we pray, we pray. Supplicate means to place before. We pray and we place before God. We petition God. And it says this, with thanksgiving, he's setting it up and then he gives the punchline, let everything or let your requests be made known to God. Why would he tell you to be thankful before you even ask? Ah, there's a principle here. The power of gratitude and trusting that what you're praying is in alignment with his will empowers your prayer because you know it will be answered. So what I do is when I pray, I say, Father, I give you praise and thanks because I know you hear me. And I know that according to your word, I have what I ask because I'm in alignment with your word. Why? Because I'm praying your word. Here's the deal. If you know what you're praying for and you're confident that it's his will, you will pray with boldness, courage, and tenacity. Right? It's when we don't know what his will is, is when we're timid in our prayers and we throw out the trap door statement, if it be your will. I know, you felt that back there in the corner. I know, the cheap seats. But here's the deal. We tend to, out of fear, anxiety, and a lack of confidence in his word or our understanding of it, pray with trap doors. Just in case he doesn't ask. Maybe I'm not asking in his will. So maybe we need to adjust some things in our prayer life. Maybe we need to find out what his will is. Let me ask you an honest question right here in front of everybody. Do you believe that it would be in God's heart and his will for to see an outpouring of revival upon uh, Fredericksburg and the greater community in a greater area here? Do you believe that would be in his will? you believe that's something he would... I, I read something about that none should perish thing. 
So here's what you can do when you pray for revival, outpouring, and spiritual awakening. You can be bold. Why? Because we know it's His will. We know it's His heart. You can have confidence when you pray. Do you believe that it's God's will that your, your family member who's been off the rails most of their life, do you believe it's God's will for them to come to the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ? Then you can pray with confidence. You can pray with boldness, with courage for that prayer to be answered. Why? Because we know it's God's heart. We know it's God's will. Do you believe it's God's will and God's heart for a nation to line up under his mandates, under his word, under his life? Do you believe that? Then why don't we pray for our nation to line up under God? See what I'm saying? When we know God's word, we know God's will. We know God's will, we can pray with confidence. And we don't always just pray with a spirit of appeal, which is great. I come to him all the time and say, Father, thank you. Would you heal this person? Would you bless this person? Would you work in this situation? That's a spirit of appeal. But on the other side of the coin, there's a spirit of declaration. And that's based upon the fact that you know his word, you understand his heart, and you believe that when you pray, things happen. It's like that thermostat over there on the wall. If I go over and turn that thermostat, guess what happens? A whole system kicks in to recondition the atmosphere to match the setting on that thermostat. Do you know if that's what powerful prayer is? It's resetting the thermostat in a situation and trusting that when you prayed, when you released your faith, that you literally set something into motion. I believe that us praying today and joining with thousands of churches and millions of people across our country, we set something into motion. We reset the thermostat today for our nation. Do you believe that? Oh, if you don't, then do it by faith. Just say, you know what? I may not get that. I may not feel that. But by faith, I choose to believe it. Amen? So look what he says. Everything, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request. He says, after you've done all of that, then tell God what you want. Tell him what you need. What's going on? What's your request? Here's the thing. If you're not anxious, if you are already in a place of prayer and fellowship, you're already and you have gratitude, by the time you get to this, your list is going to be nothing. The stuff you wanted, the stuff you're praying for, it's all shifted by this time. You're praying His will. You're praying for others. You're praying for situations. You're praying for governments to shift. You're praying for atmospheres. You're praying for retail. You're praying for things that have very little to do with you directly. Now you're praying in alignment with the kingdom of God. Oh, have I gone too deep? All right, I'm going to take a step back. We did a survey when we were a part of Oak Hills now three, nearly four years ago, three years ago. You may remember that survey. We all participated, all seven campuses, about at that time, 9,000 people, 10,000. You know what the number one thing on the survey that came back that you, me, we all said that we want was to learn how to pray and to hear God's voice. You know what the third one was? To know and understand God's word. God's word, prayer, hearing his voice. Everything I'm talking about right now is that. It's exactly what we said we want. And so I want you to lean in with me as we continue to dive deeper. I want to invite the worship team to come on out because we're going to go out with prayer or with praise today. A couple of more things. Here's the result as we lay down our anxiety. We trust him. We walk in faith. Here's what happens. 
and the peace of God. Someone say peace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you believe that we're in a season where our nation, our people have lost heart? Do you believe that? We've lost heart. Let me ask you another question. Do you believe that some of us have lost our minds? <laughs> Feels that way, doesn't it? It does feel that way. But here's what happens, and here's what the peace of God does. Look what it says. We'll guard. The word guard is a word for garrison or protect. It's literally a military term. So when, when, we, when we step into this, prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests made known, here's what happens. And the peace of God, which is not passive, by the way, the peace of God guard will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Do you think we could use our hearts guarded right now? Do you think we could use our minds guarded right now? Let me tell you something. You already have this available to you right now. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, He lives on you. The Greater One lives in you, dwells in you, works through you. Amen? Amen. He's here. So what do we do? We want to tap in. We want to access that peace. So I have other things, but I'm going to skip through because I want to end with this. Here it is. This statement, and we'll pray. You have nothing to fear. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Have you embraced Christ? Is Christ your life? If that's true, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. The enemy is a liar. He is a liar. In fact, fear is by design a work of the enemy to bring pain and torment. We saw that in the scripture. God's perfect and complete love eradicates fear. We know that because the scripture tells us that there is no fear in love. And that perfect love casts out all fear. You want a deliverance ministry? Then just receive the love of God because what it does, it casts out the spirit of fear. And if you don't have a category, let me say this. You've got to have a category for a whole other thing going on called spiritual warfare. If you don't have that category, you're already on the ropes with this thing. God's not called you to live on the ropes. He's called you to fight in the center of the ring and to fight the good fight and to win the good fight because you're in Christ. So here's what happens. When we receive this complete, perfect love, it eradicates fear just like light eradicates and dispels darkness so what we're going to do as we close and we get our team ready listen to this God's perfect and complete love eradicates fear fear cannot remain where God's love is manifested so here's what I'm going to ask you to do and it's really not a big do it's more of a receive I'm going to ask you to receive something so would you stand to your feet with me I'm going to ask you to do something by faith it's demonstrative don't worry I'm not going to make you spin around or anything weird I'm just going to say would you hold out your hands like you're going to get something all this is is a posture of faith it's a posture of receiving it's as though I'm going to put something into your hands and we're posturing ourselves to receive so as far as doing all you have to do is receive the gift that's being handed to you so I'm going to pray and we're going to receive by faith the perfect love of God that eradicates drives out casts out fear 
you're struggling with a spirit of fear, fear no more. Perfect love is here to eradicate that right now. You can walk out of here a different person. So would you bow your head? And again, talking about prayer, there is power in agreement. If you've ever been around me when someone's praying, and you may have heard me today, I'll say, yes, Lord, while someone's praying. Yes, Lord. What am I doing? I'm in agreement. I'm keeping my mind locked into what they're saying. I'm aligning my thoughts with their prayer. That puts me in agreement with them. And the word says, where two on earth agree as touching anything, it'll be done by their Father. And he'll be there in their midst. So let's enter into the place of agreement. If you want to say amen out loud or yes, Lord, or I agree, you lean into that. Train yourself in prayer right now. I'm going to invite our prayer team to be here as we close out. But let's have our arms out right now. Let's do this. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, that name that is above all names. Oh, the name by which every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's that name that we come to you in a spirit of appeal, but also a spirit of declaration because we know your word. So, Father, we open our hands, our palms before you. We're palms up before you. And because by faith we are receiving what has been paid for by Jesus on the cross and ultimately his resurrection. And because we live life out of the resurrection, because Christ is literally our life, we receive perfect love. The word perfect means complete or full or realized. We receive perfect, complete, full, whole, realized love. Agape, unconditional love. And we receive it by faith right now. Just out of your mouth, just, just whisper, I receive it, Lord. I receive your love. Just however that works for you, whatever you want to say, I receive your love. I receive it by faith. I receive it. I take it. I take it. I take it. I receive it. And just one more demonstrative thing. You have your hands out? Watch me, somebody. We just put seeds in your hand and now plant them in the soil of your heart. Just put your hand on your chest. Father, we put these seeds in the soil of our we plant the seeds of perfect love into our heart. We receive by faith. And God, I declare in the name of Jesus a harvest of grace, a harvest of love, a harvest of mercy, a harvest of your presence bursting forth within us because of the seeds of your great love that have been planted in us. And we welcome and receive it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Let's have an amazing week, family, an amazing week. Let's 